And so God has really been pressing on our hearts. What is this idea of mercy? What does it look like to walk in the Lord? So here's the deal. Some of y'all know that we're, well, that's why I love you because we're pretty wild. Let's be honest, right? And, and we're a group of people that if it wasn't for the Lord, we would be in trouble. Okay, I got one amen. Thank you, Pete. Do you, you agree with me? Hey, if it wasn't for Jesus, all of us are so wild. Come on, y'all know. Even all of you, listen. Listen, the quiet people scared me. You said, but John, you don't know me. I'm real quiet. Listen, still waters run deep. That's an old saying, right? You peel the onion, there's a lot of layers. So you can get quiet people sometimes to be the wildest people. Y'all know what I'm talking about? See, y'all, we, we, we all need the Lord. And, and it's this mercy that is new every morning. But there are certain people in this room that need a lot more mercy than others. Mm -hmm. Right? And I want to show you one. I want to show you one of your fearless leaders in this room who needs mercy. Now, as soon as you see his face, you're going to recognize this. But I just want to, I want to show you what some of your leaders do when no one is watching. I want to show you, there was a wedding um, a little bit ago with Stephen Cable and Alicia, and it was a beautiful wedding. I got to be there. It was absolutely breathtaking. Uh, the scenery was amazing. God gave a beautiful day when it was supposed to be uh, bad weather, and the, all the people there were fantastic. But there was a person who was leading the wedding um, that needs a lot of mercy. So before the wedding ceremony took place and before the people came that were going to witness this, I want you to see what happens behind the scenes at some weddings and show you some mercy. So if you don't mind, um, take a look at this and, and see what you think. So go ahead, let's throw this up and see what happens. Jesus, 
And then once those people receive Christ, there's this restoration takes place that God works us back into the fullness of his presence. Either he comes back, or we die to be with him. Because Paul said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is what? Come on. Mm-hmm. Because it's the fullness of God. It's the beauty of God. So where does mercy fit in in this process? So the Lord has kind of opened my eyes. Uh, no, not kind of. Has opened my eyes to see all this with the Holy Spirit. So John Piper had a sermon title, and it's captivated me. Says this: building your life on the mercy of God. And so I want I want to come to you today in this mercy series and encourage us and challenge us to build our lives on the mercy of God. What does it look like to build our lives on the mercy of God? Have you built your life on the mercy of God when you're in high school? What does that even look like? What does it look like in, in marriage or singleness or in financial situations or you're taking a step out or, or you've got a team you're leading? Or what does it look like to build your life on the mercy of God? Romans 8 is a popular passage. If you don't mind, if you'll turn there, it's going to be up there. Take a look at it and see what you think. What does it look like? Building your life on the mercy of God. In Romans 8, towards the end of verse 31 through 39, there's this wonderful passage where Paul just kind of separate. It almost to me looks demonic, like a hymn. It's beautiful, and you'll see what the Lord says. Verse 31. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own what, saints? But offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him, check out the language, grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Question number three. Can affliction or anguish, or persecution, or famineness, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than victorious through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that not even death or life Angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And all God's people said, what? That's a passage we need to rest in. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I don't want to come with wise and persuasive words, but I feel like doing a lap. I feel like getting, hitting the pawn for Jesus. Lord, I need something. We need you, Lord. We need you to do something magnificent in our lives today. If you transform our hearts, you know you will transform our minds. 
So God, I don't want to come with wise and persuasive words. But I want to come with a demonstration of the spirit and the power. And have no greater way can the spirit be demonstrated his power and set people move from death to life. Move from under the wrath of God to the promises of God. For those that are in this room, Lord, that are Christians, no greater movement of the Spirit can we see that, Lord, all of a sudden, we begin to walk by faith and not by sight. We begin to take on the promises of God as the actual presence of God and move in forward in the name of God. Lord, do something in and through us today. We ask for forgiveness for our sins. Speak clearly, Lord, the more I read this, the more you give me. I pray that you would just expose it all today. And we love you and we praise you. And all those people said, what? time. Amen and amen. So here's the question. The main idea is the question. How do we build our lives in the mercy of God? This is all on Facebook at Summit Church. You can see the notes. So if you go to the Summit Church website, uh, Facebook page, you look to the bottom left, you'll see those notes. Click on it. Boom, there it is. How do we build our lives in the mercy of God? And this is what God laid out for me. This is how mercy is placed part of the gospel. There are four pillars we're going to try to get to today. But this is the process. And also, the first way, the first pillar, if you will, of building our lives on the mercy of God, the first pillar is building our lives on the mercy of God means trusting in God's love. The first pillar, in order to get to mercy, which is the fourth pillar, we've got to go back to the first pillar, which is gospel. We know, listen, the gospel not only saves, the gospel is what you preach yourself every day you're in school. Every day you're in school, every day you're with your family, every day you're at your calling, in your job, you have a kid, whatever you're at, wherever you are, you preach the gospel to yourself because the gospel has application, not just salvation. And so what happens here is we see we have to trust in God's love. Listen, 1 John 4, 8, the last part says this, that God is what, saints? Take a guess. Love. 1 John 4, 8, the very last part says that God is love. Now, you've heard this word if you've grown up in church. You've heard the word of agape love, right? You've heard of unconditional love. But listen, I want to give you what the real definition of what this unconditional love looks like. This is what it means in Greek, what agape love means. It means whom God prefers. Yeah, you didn't get it. It means who God prefers means God prefers us. Okay, look at Romans 8, verse 31. What then are we to say about these saints? If God is what saints? Who is against us? God prefers you. Now, I know what you're saying. Because you're saying probably something like what I say. God, if you're for me, then why am I in a situation that's jacked up compared to what I want? Come on. Mm -hmm. Come on. I mean, why can't I have that money, this job? Why do you call me in this way? Why do I look this way? Why is the situation this way? Listen, I want to say something. I, God is really helping me understand this because I ask God this question all the time. God, why did you bless me like that? Why did you give me the ability that I ask you these things? Why don't you give me the ability like that? Why am I called to this? Why does my life have to be harder than this person when this person seems to have so much, so much easier than everything else? Listen, why am I, God, why? If you're for me, if you're for me, then why is it so difficult? And 
God puts us in hard places so that He can be the most glorified when we are just choosing to fall madly in love with Him regardless of what happens. And a life that suffers greatly is one who can be used greatly. I promise you this. There are billionaires that die that people don't care much about because they love their money. But somebody like Mother Teresa who dies and has nothing, everybody cares about. Now which one would you rather be? Would you rather be washing a leper's feet? At a house of mercy where people die with dignity in India that are ravished with disease and stink and smelly and are homeless? Would you rather be remembered in that type of way? Or would you rather die with all your money and trying to create the cheapest deal that you can find in insurance? God allows us in tough situations because if we don't go through those tough situations, the people after us will never see Jesus. Then your family, they don't read the Bible, they just read you who read the Bible. Come on. So God is going to put us in situations we are not going to be built like other people are built. We're not going to have what other people have because what they have becomes their identity. And we would say yes and amen because if God prefers us, he is with us. And if he is with us, who can stand against us? And I want to tell you something. If God is with me, singleness can't define me. Then if God is with me and prefers me, what I don't have doesn't mean that I won't have. Y'all didn't get that. You see, that's why he got down at the end of the passage in 38 and 39. Look what he says. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, angels or wars, things present or things to come. How about I love this verse in the home of Christian? Hostile powers. The devil himself. Hostile powers cannot stop what God. Listen, God always uses. You think you really want to be a pastor? The Bible says he takes the foolish things of the world to do what? In gander, confound the wise. He takes, you know what that means? He took me, who graduated high school with 1.85, and oh, by the way, tries to turn me into an academician. Isn't that God? The one person that nobody ever saw coming is the one that God sees coming. God takes what nobody else sees, and he does in us what nobody else can do. He will take us from one place, and the very thing that we never think will be, you think I want to be a pastor? They're weird. And you would say, amen, you would look at me and say, yeah, I got it. Right? But I don't want to come over. I don't want my hair flowing out when I have like the perfect hair. Come over. I don't want to look like Benny here in a white suit. I wish I could walk like T.D. Jakes. I'm a deep voice, very white. You know, I, I, you know, I, no, I mean, like, I read from that. Like, a bunch of weirdos, like, put me around football with her sweat and dirt and nastiness. Like, God, I like that. That's safe, and God says, I'm going to make you unsafe. I'm going to put you in a place of unsafe. I'm going to put you in a place where your relationships struggle or where your finances might be this way. Or maybe God gives you a lot, and then all of a sudden you're tested with being selfish. I mean, that's what happens. It all starts... Do we trust that God prefers us? Do we trust that? Romans 13, 13 you'll see it here. Uh, the New Living is a loose translation. It says this, love does no wrong. God didn't wrong us, though I feel like it. I'm going to be honest with you. There's times I feel like God wronged me. He wronged me. Why did I get dumb 
said in the prayer, right? Solomon, Lord, the God of Israel, there's no God like you in heaven or on earth. You who keep your covenant of love with your servants who continually, wholeheartedly in your way. Who continue wholeheartedly in your way. In other words, he keeps the covenant of love. It all starts with God's love. Do I trust that God is love? And that's the pillar of the gospel. If God is love, then God has to do something about my helpless situation. Come on. If you got kids, you know what I'm talking about. You gotta save them time and time again, right? Don't play in the street. Now I know there's some days we want them to play in the street, but I'm not talking about the days. I mean, we, this is we're like, it's a joke, okay? Okay, it's a joke. Right? But my point is, is that you're constantly saving people. You're constantly grabbing them. Or because what love does, love demands a response. If God is for me, and if I'm a sin, he's got me in a situation where I'm going to choose to follow him in a Job-esque situation, then all of a sudden, what happens in my life, God has to respond, and he does. So the first pillar, the first pillar we're going to build our life in grace is when we've got to trust that God is love. Here's the second pillar. If we're going to build our lives on the mercy of God, then I must trust that I must trust in God's grace. If I'm going to trust in God's love and that God is loving and the word of God means he prefers me, as we saw in Romans 8.31, if he prefers me, now God's got to do something about my situation. Well, the Bible makes it clear. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of for the wages of sin is but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if all have sinned, if ever, there's not one righteous, no, not one, then out of love, something has to happen. So it's called grace. So the second pillar is God's grace. So God then begins to do something out of love. Out of love, he gives us something that we don't deserve and the power to do what we can't do. I cannot pastor. I cannot preach. I cannot teach. But according to my spiritual gift test, my number one gift, time of evangelism, is teaching. Therefore, I hated school when I was unsaved. My sinful nature that still wants to rise up within me hates school. But the spirit within me says, this is what you are meant to do. I want to be meant to do something a little bit with more finances, God. But God says, I'm going to supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. If you'll just shut up and listen to me, John, maybe you'll see what I'll do for you. So then I begin to do those things and doors begin to open massively for me. But it was only when I had a word from God. So out of God's law, I trusted in his law, and I said, God, you're going to give me grace. And God began to give me grace. Here's how it works. Grace is not only favor that I don't deserve to James strong. A lot of people have to quote all that. It's more than that. It's way more. 2 Corinthians 12 language. Paul said, I got a thorn in my flesh. God, take it away. And God answered and said, my grace is sufficient. My grace is enough. In other words, 
power to do what I've called you to do. That is grace. And so what happens is, we see in 1 John 4, 9 and 10, here's the language. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Look back at Romans 8. Our primary text. Look at verse 31. What then are we to say about these things? Question number one. If God is for us, who is against us? Love language. God prefers us. And because he prefers us unconditionally, he is going to do something about it. He's going to do something about John's pitiful, sinful condition. John left to himself will destroy himself. Just ask my wife, Lynette. I can mess up anything, but I can fix very few things. So I am going to mess it up. You'll mess up. Listen, you think you got it all in high school. You will jack yourself up. Come on, older people, tell the truth, shit you That's why the older need to teach the younger. You want to know why? Because sometimes it's good for you to look at our lives and say, I don't want to be like that. Because sometimes you can look at us and we do get jacked up. But what happens is we think we can fix ourselves. We can, we're no match for Satan. Jesus was the only one. We are no match. If we were a match for Satan, why do we send Jesus to defeat him? Because we can't. And we walk around, people walk around like, I've got this relationship. Oh, I can make this work. Let me tell you something. That's why I can talk to some people who've been through some relationships. You can't make people love you. Come on. Let's be just, can we just be real today? We saw it. You can't make people love you. You can lie. You can die. You can take them to Disney World. You can make them hug Mickey. And all of a sudden that Disney euphoria is not going to make them love you. You can buy them a car. You can give them a house. You give them a job or tell them to stay at home. But either way, they're not going to love you. And so because of that, we want to turn our backs on God and say, I don't need the grace of God. I just need to get away from God. But God says, look at this. Verse 32. He, meaning God, did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also grant, excuse me, with him, grant us everything? My God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. So I trust that God is love, that he's not jacked up. He's not mean. He's not deaf. He's not blind. He's not mute. I trust that he loves me. He's, he prefers me. He's for me. He's let me get in a tough situation so that in that situation, the people that can care less about God will look at you say, why my family so jacked up? I'm going to tell you why. Sometimes God allows that to happen because people have free will. God loves them and lets them destroy themselves if they want. It's not his will that one should perish, but guess what? People do. Because they have free will. But guess what? God's plan won't be thwarted. If I will step up, he'll raise somebody else up. His truth will march on. And so what happens in this, he says, look, in this situation, he's going to give me what I need. I'm in a situation that's jacked up. So that those people will see Jesus in me. 
because they don't read the Bible. They don't look to creation and say, there's something bigger than me. There's, wow, the planet doesn't revolve around me. They're not thinking that way. They're, they're, uh, they're, when they have to wake up and say, there's something bigger when death comes closer. So what happens is, people are looking in that situation, what, what goes on. Then we look there in verse 32. He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Because it was in that, in that we see 1 John 4, 10. This is love. Now he's going to express love through his grace. Here it is. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And because he loved us, I can trust his love. Now here comes his grace. Check this out. And sent his, what saints? Whew. As an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Listen, when somebody loves you, they will meet you where you are. Not expect you to get where you need to be. Oh, that was really good. That was free. My wife loved me right where I was. Now, she's been training me for 27 years. <laughs> and I'm better than what I was, but so long ago. But my point being is, she loved me where I was, not where she wanted me to be. See, a lot of people take jobs on what they can be or where the job will take them to be so they can't be where their feet are. Well, sometimes we're so far looking ahead, we don't even know where we are. We can't get our eyes on what we really want, so we can't be where we need to be. And so what happens here, that's what God did. He did something for us. He loved us that while we're so sinners, he sent Jesus as an atoning sacrifice. This is where Piper means so much to me. This is why I tell this over and over and over, because I want to burn it into your DNA that you proclaim the gospel in this way, the good news of Jesus Christ. He's the atoning sacrifice. He became for us what we could not be for yourselves. Matthew 5, 48, Be ye perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is what, saints? There is a demand we cannot meet. Is everybody tracking me? There's a demand. The demand is perfection. John, score 100. Does a 42 work out? No. Be perfect. I can't meet that demand. So what happens? What happens if you came home? Maybe you came home to a home like I. And if you scored a 95, they said, why do you score 100? You know how defeating that is? You know how defeating that is when somebody looks at you and says, your best isn't enough? Do you know how bad that hurts? When somebody looks at you and says, your best isn't enough. Why didn't you make a hundred? You made a 92, why didn't you make a 95? So then, if you're compliant in heart, what do you become? A perfectionist. Right? You know what we're perfectionists? We're always trying to please someone. And most likely it's someone else. Because what happens is when we score perfect, and all of a sudden, if we do well in something, if we're perfectionists, all of a sudden we get other people's approval. Because really, really, perfectionism is rooted in approval. But here's what happens. Because God is so loving towards us while we were still sinners. In other words, when we can never, never please. 
sent his son. A demand we could not be. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. But then guess what? But there's also a burden we could not bear. For the wages of sin is what? Death. There's a curse. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, there was a curse. There's a demand, it's like we could not meet, and a burden we could not bear. There's a curse on our lives without Jesus Christ. Demand I cannot meet, burden I cannot bear. Just look at this world. Look at the, almost the anarchy at times, and, and political rallies and everything else. Just look at it. It's absolutely crazy. Facebook can get crazy, right? That's why people hide on Instagram. Or if you want to go smaller, you go to Snapchat. And I'm going to tell y'all, I got to talk to my brothers and fellow women specialists, right? I taught y'all this, right? I told you, like, dude, some of you know, she's a warrior. That's a, that's a pretty big deal. Right? He just turned out the North Carolina Supreme Court. Does that give you an idea? Okay. All right, so, my, my point is, is this. Is it just because you're on Snapchat and you think it goes away? It doesn't go away. Just give me a side here. All right, so, my point is so we try to get smaller, smaller, smaller in the world so people can't really see, see, see who we are. I want to select few to see who we are. But God sees all. So we stand under the wrath of God. We cannot meet that demand of perfection. We cannot bear the burden of the curse. But look at this, Galatians 3.13, which is a beautiful part of this passage. Like in Romans 8, this is Romans 8, 32 language. Play out again, Galatians 3.13. Christ has, what saints? Redeemed us. He brought us back. The places where our selfishness took us, the places where our own desires took us, I promise you, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us because it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus met the man of perfect perfection. He was righteous and he met the burden of the curse. And so the wrath of God came like violence, but the cross of Christ stopped. You say, I don't believe. Isaiah 53, that's why Jesus is known as the suffering servant. The wrath of God was completely satisfied in the cross of Christ. Therefore, we get grace. We get his word. We get a word, and a word is his presence. So the love of God is our pillar. The grace of God is our answer. That is the gospel, and we get the presence of God, and the grace of God produces another pillar, and it demands a response. So here is number three. The third pillar is this. Building our lives on the mercy of God means responding to Jesus by faith. The first pillar is what, saints? I did a bad job. First pillar is what? Love. First pillar is love. 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 For God so loved the world that he that is called grace. The second pillar is grace. He gave Jesus to the meet, the demand we could not meet. That is be perfect, be fully righteous, be fully faithful. And that was only that in Jesus. He 
I'm going to let that person off, we would be pretty upset. And you say, but John, it's just so unrighteous. It's so ungodly to punish a person for 20 or 30 years based on a sin that only took 15 minutes. Why would God send somebody to hell for all eternity based on a couple of sins? Why do we in court send people to jail for life or double life or triple life for sin that took 20 minutes? Because it's not the length of the sin that determines the, punish the length of punishment. But it's what we did here, now, we have the third pillar. Building our lives on the mercy of God means responding to Jesus by faith. So the first pillar is what? Love. Second pillar is what? Grace. And grace demands a response. Every time God gives you grace, he gives you a promise in his word. That's why I'm here believing in this room. You've got to eat this problem. You've got to eat it. You've got to know his promises. This is how I walk with Jesus. I, I, I learn his scripture and learn his promises and say, all the fulfillment of the promises of God and Jesus, just read 2 Corinthians. He is the yes and amen to every promise. That's why when you say in Jesus' name, you're saying, God, you made a promise, and Jesus is the proof that you will fulfill the promise. Therefore, I'm going to walk in it. And so the third pillar is we respond by faith. We have to respond by faith. Will I, will I accept the promises of God? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his. Who's the righteous one? Who? You said it correct. I heard it. Jesus. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. His righteousness is Jesus. He, you know, sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Right? Because Jesus is the righteous one. So therefore, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek Jesus. And the Bible says that all these things will be what? Added unto you. What will be added? Exactly what I need, according to his riches and glory. And God is going to put every one of us in this room, let me prophetically say to say to you, God is going to put every one of us in this room who die hard for Jesus, who will do things right for Jesus, he's going to put every one of us in this room in situations that demand faith. It could be financial, it could be relational, it could be social, it could be vocational. I don't care what it, what it is, but God is going to put us in that situation so that people will say in us, what is different about us? And the difference is, we don't just read the Bible, we trust the Bible. So we respond by faith so they don't read the Bible, they just read us and read the Bible. They say, what in the world are you doing? You took a job that much of a pay cut? Are you out of your mind? Yes, I am, because I've been transformed by the renewing of my mind, and I lost my mind a long time ago, because my now, 1 Corinthians 2.16, I have the mind of Christ. So the mind of John was, what, what, what? So now, I respond by faith. The Bible says, in Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it's impossible to do what? Please God. 2 Corinthians tells us, Right there, it's a beautiful passage. 2 Corinthians tells us in 5-7, we walk by faith and not by... So faith is the response to the promise. First comes love, second comes grace. Every time God gives you a promise, that is grace. And he says, how do you respond, John? Now, it's up to me to say, do I believe? At one 
He gave grace, his glory. Just read, just read 2 Corinthians 4 and 5. Or read Colossians 1. Or read Ephesians 1 and 2. Colossians 1. He is the image of the invisible. It's Jesus. And every word that comes from God is grace. We don't deserve this word. We deserve his wrath. But since Jesus satisfies, we give the words, promises. We respond by faith throughout the third pillar. Do I trust this faith? And the last pillar is this. When I walk by faith, I get the fourth pillar of building my life on the mercy of God that I trust that God will give me mercy. I don't deserve Lynette, but by the, come on somebody, you can agree with that one. Because <laughs> all of you love her, she's down there with your kids. I don't deserve her, but by the grace of God and me trusting in his goodness, my God will supply all my needs according to what you know what you say. But John, I'm meeting now. I want to tell you something. I want to give you something really good. My mom we married two years ago. She was getting ready to turn 85. And don't tell her I told you this song this is going on. She hears it, I'm dead. She don't want nobody to know her age. She remarried two years ago. I want to say this really good break for my parents. Careful. She became, in two years, and it's, she doesn't want this. That's not why she did it. But this is how God helped her God think. She became in two years worth more money than she would have ever made her life. And made five. You think God is good? Mercy. The Bible says in Lamentations as Jeremiah was lamenting the woes of Judah as they were going into exile. Terrible and horrible, and it was a terrible situation. And he lost all these people, and he lost his community, he lost his family, he lost his country. And where was God in the process? And the Spirit of God said to him, A promise of God, His mercies are new every morning. Great is God's faithfulness. God will give you mercy, and you walk in the field of mercy, and God begins to supply. You need. But here's where I know God will not. God will not answer a double-minded person. James 1 says they're unstable. So if you say, I follow Jesus, I follow Jesus, but you're no more committed to Jesus than anything else, but you just don't live the life that you want to live, or I want to live this way. God will not give me the fullness of his mercy if I'm not going to trust the fullness of his presence. So the last pillar is this rock if you'll play with me. James 2.13b says this. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Here's the mercy of God. Romans 8. Let's land this plan. Here it is. Verse 32 of Romans 8. He did not even spare 
his own son, but offered him up for us all. There's the grace. There's the grace. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Here's the call for faith. God will grant you everything that he needs for us to show him. Verse 33. Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? When people look at us and say, you're an idiot. What are you doing, John? Sometimes you don't have to answer every question. Because just because somebody accuses me doesn't mean that they have the right to be my accuser. Mm -hmm. There's that's only good. one who can accuse me, and that's Jesus. And not Satan, Satan, who means accuser. I don't have to listen to a liar, do you? God is the one who justifies. See the mercy of God? Everything that we've done, I don't care how many relationships in your life have failed, I want to tell you something. God says you and I are justified just as if it never happened. I don't care how many failed business attempts. I don't care how many things that we've done wrong. God has justified us. Therefore, we now have mercy. He was the one who condemns. Christ Jesus is the one who died. But even more has been raised. He took our condemnation and not only bore the wrath of God, but was resurrected so we could. And that's not just for our death, people. That's for our life now. Resurrection, the standing in Anastasius, you might remember that. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us right now. Who can separate us from the love of God? Can affliction or anguish? Anguish. Here's an anxious moment. God, I'm in a circumstance I hate. I don't know what to do next. Anguish. Does that mean that we're separating from God? No, no, no. Persecution. Trouble at your job. Or famine, not enough money. Or nakedness, that says love. Or danger or sword, as is written, because of you we are put to, be put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than victorious. Now here's my question. Here's my question, Jennifer and Robbie. How can we be more than victorious? How can Jamie Chapel, Coach Chapel, be more than victorious? If you win the game, how does that make you more than victorious? Two ways to be more than victorious. Number one is to know that you're going to win before you play the game. <laughs> that was good. And number two, once you play one game, you don't have to play anymore. 
set down at the right hand of the Father. And right now, all we get is mercy. And I just want to say something to you in this room. If you need mercy, if you're like in a situation, and I don't know what that looks like, I don't think that's like relational, financial, circumstantial, vocational. Like, I don't know where, but here's what I want you to know or where the next step is, or you're calling for family members or friends or, or players that you coach or whatever else to be saying, and you need restoration in something. Here's what I want you to know. God is a merciful God because mercy comes from our response of faith that was from His grace rooted in His love. And it's cyclical. It's not just linear. So when I, when I walk in mercy and God gives me mercy, it drives me all the way back to His love. And I love Him more. That's why the first commandment is what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Drives me all the way back to love. That's why says in verse 38, for I'm persuaded that not even death or life or angels or rulers anybody things present or things to come there's a victory before the game hostile powers height or death or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the agape love of God. The one who God prefers, the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Will you receive that by faith today and walk in his mercy? Because his mercies are new every morning.
There's nothing but mercy, Lord. But Jesus, mercy, mercy, mercy. Maybe, Lord, we need to call merciful for sickness. Maybe we need to call for mercy for peace. Maybe we need to call on your presence that gives us mercy in our trust with you in the future. Or maybe we need the mercy of God in our life now to trust us in our present. God, help us to trust you. That you are love. And that your love produces grace. And grace demands a response. That you will be merciful. Lord, here we are. I pray you fill this all with people praying for others, praying for their needs, that your presence will be so thick they will know that you're right. If there's someone in this room who's never heard the gospel, they heard this today. That it's only a chance for them to receive mercy in the name of Jesus, the one who ever knew about and every time will confess. That he is Lord to the glory of you. And that they will believe today that you met the demand of perfection because they have sinned. For all sin falls short of the Lord. And that Lord, that you met the burden that we could not be the curse, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Grace language. Promise. Lord, I pray that they respond by faith by trusting in the pain, putting all they have in trust in you, and show that it was all they had by turning and following, becoming a disciple. That is my prayer. Speak to your service. Hebrews 12, just listen to this verse and let it um, rest over you today. Hebrews 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great a cloud of witnesses, by so great a cloud of witnesses, this is all of us. Let us, each and every one of us, also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder, the one that created faith, and the perfecter of our faith. For joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God.
See you. 